It is Thursday, March 17th. Yes, it's Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, Kyle. Nah. <laughs> we're awake. We're awake. Baby's sleeping. Kyle's awake. And we're ready for a show this morning. Let's go. Everywhere I go, the people really want to know who I is and who I be. They stop. It's funny. It feels like all week, even though it's not the baby's fault, I feel like we're on like, we have like a baby delay pass on the launch we of the do. podcast every morning. And it's really not even tied to that, right? At all. No, not at all. Yeah. We just yeah. Well, I guess it is a little bit because I'm still at the house and I get the kids wrangled up while Amanda's kind of getting the baby going. <laughs> and so uh yeah, it's a little bit baby fault, but it's also just I think we've got that like post NADA yeah. drag. We've got a lot of things going on. Yeah. Every morning's full every morning is full of so much in the world where I feel like, you know, you know how that one time back at the end of the year, the last week of the year, we were like, Hey, anyone got any news out there that we were things oh we can God. talk about in the world? And it was like <laughs> top too. 10 countdowns. Right. right. That was, was like, that was like was a like news the, desert. It's like the 10, the 10 best ways to spend, you know, new year's or whatever. And it's like, Oh no, no, no. Now, now we've got inflation and, and Ukraine and we've got, Fed rates, and we've got cool things about Starbucks. Yes, it's just everywhere. So oh, I didn't it's, hear the cool things about Starbucks. We, we have to rein all that in. The cool right? things about Starbucks aren't even in. Oh, what what are the cool things about Starbucks? Is that that a, yeah, show? that was yesterday. I was just oh was, oh yesterday there were cool yesterday. things about Starbucks. Well, good morning. He was like, I forgot that I slept. Since it then, it was so cool. <laughs> it was so cool. I just <laughs> it passed right by. Um, hey, we I just realized we didn't talk about on the show at all. The we big didn't. announcement that we made at NAD a Saturday morning. We have a live stream. Um, we'll, we'll try to. I'll link it up in the show notes um, and the podcast platforms when we when we launch it. But we made a massive announcement for us on Saturday morning, yeah. and that is so. You you may have known Automotive State of the Union. Um, depending on how when you came into the community, maybe as far back as two years ago, when we had the very first live stream. But it kind of plotted on um, for a year and a half ish. Right. Kyle and I got together. I started doing some stuff. And then, you know, Kyle pulled right up next to me in the automotive state of the union world, really started picking up more velocity at that point. And uh, we made a decision a few months ago. Actually, I think the decision was probably made at any or at uh, Digital Dealer Vegas when we realized, like, this has to be a primary trajectory. You know, it can no longer be the thing that's on the side. This has to be a primary trajectory. So what we did was actually formed it into uh, a corporation. And we raised an initial round of funding from only dealers. So we are yeah. the very first, and we just announced this last Saturday. We announced who the investors were, and we'll, we'll say them again. But we are the only dealer-owned media company in automotive because it's important to us that we stay close to the needs of the dealers. And who better to do that? How better to do that than actually have uh, owners who are dealers? Uh, and then yeah. also, on the flip side, Right on the flip side, it's how do you maintain and encourage healthy dealer vendor relationships, but by having actual dealers on in this media organization that's are able to give quick feedback and uh, really I think a lot of accountability. Right, like we're not going to be promoting promoting trash. (laughs) Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. No. I mean, here's the thing, and and we've already been. uh, I I love that. What I feel right now, and maybe it's because we're still in like that grassroots uh, area, mm-hmm. is just that people are willing to go, huh? You know, it's 
are, are, do you really want to be about that? Is is this is this exactly how we should be communicating as dealers? As 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 that's our primary focus. That the dealer, the not just the owner or operator, but everybody in the dealership is the primary focus of gathering everyone around, whether it be our investors or the community. Like if you're part of the community and you're listening to something on the podcast or watching or reading the email and there's a red flag that goes up, we want to hear about that. We yeah. want to, this is a conversation. It's not, it's not a, uh, it's not a speech. Yeah, right? no doubt. I mean, we talk about troublemaking, right? But troublemaking, the spirit of troublemaking isn't just to break things. It's actually right. to move things forward. So like when there's feedback or maybe a little criticism or maybe, you know, some tough stuff, really the, the spirit behind it all is that we can all agree and move forward and make it better, make it faster, make it more beneficial yep. for the consumer. So um, a list, we're going to tell you six of the seven investors. One is uh, yet to be revealed, will be soon. Um, so we're talking about a couple people you may know who are pioneers in their own right in each, and, and they're very different, right? All the dealers uh, have yeah. a, a troublemaking, cultural focus, uh, incredible success in common. But they're all very, very different in the way they execute, which I think is indicative of the industry. So we have uh, Liza Borches, Damon Lester, Brian Benstock, Scott Simons, Brian Kramer, who we're going to talk about in in just a second here. <laughs> we go. We got a Brian Kramer to talk about uh, the one and only David Long. Um, did I, I always get here? Did and I then, say six? No, you got it. I got and then six. we got a seventh. We'll announce that person soon. Uh, we just got to get a couple things clear on that one, but. Yep. Uh, yeah, so those are so those are the six, and like you said, what I really love about it is there's some diversity in thought, the way they the way they do business, mm -hmm. the type of capacity that their dealerships have, whether they're managing multiple stores or or single rooftops, right? There's there's kind of a and and different areas of the country, right? East, uh, all the way west, uh, kind East of coast, west coast, the country, all the way down right? to Florida, right? Virginia in the middle of the country, a uh, couple yep. in Virginia, yeah, it really is. Like talk about a full, like covers the whole thing. Yeah. And so I think that, that I, there's no one way to, to peel an onion, right. And, and to, to work this out as, as, as an industry, there's going to be people that are, that are heavy negotiation. There's going to be large dealerships, small dealerships. They're going to be single point of contact dealerships. There's going to be people that are working to, to be in the metaverse. And there's those that are going to be hard into DR or, 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 credit challenge financing and all of the anything that works within those arenas, whether it be vendor dealer partnerships or uh, ways of doing business or marketing strategies or um, new ideas on the horizon. We want to we want to be bringing everybody along and not just going, hey, this is the only way to do business. We believe that there are best ways and there are there are things that every single dealership or every single business should be doing. Um, but we want to grab from all of those arenas. That's right. Well, speaking of the metaverse that you just mentioned. Segway. Time. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Kyle. Launch this one because I just saw the, the LinkedIn post. We, we tag up the LinkedIn post oh, we're mentioning goodness. in the comments or in the stream comments and podcast comments. But one of our investors is making big, big trouble. So I wake up this morning and I actually, so, uh, as, as it goes, it's four 40 in the morning and I, I grab, uh, grab my laptop to get started this morning after baby has gone back down. And literally I see Brian Kramer. Well, no, actually yesterday I see a post of him and he's got his finance manager with an Oculus on right <laughs> in the finance office, kind of like this number. Right. And, and he's, and he, you can tell he's trying to do something right. Cause he's got one arm over the standing in a corner, jumping, looking up. 
I'm just Brian Kramer's in selfie mode, right in the finance office, and I'm like, oh, things are about to get real. Well, today he drops a post where actually is the in the metaverse uh, stuff, and he's like, by the end of 24 hours, a vehicle will be delivered in transactors well, won't be delivered in the metaverse Sorry. i'll yeah, sell somebody happen, a forty thousand dollar vehicle we can deliver in the metaverse right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no yeah but to, to to complete a transaction in the metaverse which um and he says the first know, in think, the world right so i i didn't vet yeah. that but if brian kramer's saying it it's probably true <laughs> Right. I, I think so. And, and if, hey, look, it's kind of like we created the first uh, automotive, automotive PO app. That's true. If Until no one someone else steps it, up, you, right? You it's did the it, truth, right? right? Yeah. So I, I think that, um, you know, there's so much that had to go into that. There's a lot of R&D. His team had to get around that. You know, he, he even he said, and, and I've heard him kind of talk about, it's not, it's not him doing the metaverse transaction or, or working into that right now that changed. He's been right. doing a series of changes for the last three to four years. That's right. That have led up being led up to him being able to execute something like this, right? Most dealerships are not going to go from like writing pencils on paper uh, to the metaverse, yep. right? You had, there, there's a trajectory, there's a plan. But what I love about this is he's not saying that everybody has to adapt to tomorrow. He's just saying he's he and his team are willing to do the work to lead the way to show the way um, to to create the the inroads to hear some steps you can take to get to there. Yep. Um, but it looks really cool too. Well, hey, <laughs> like you got you gotta you have to break the mold. You have to start doing right. And yep. then we were talking about this a little bit at NADA, right? There are people like Brian Kramer who are like first in the pool, right? The first in the pool, they're figuring out about to transact on it. And then you have, you know, I've heard Brian Benstock say, like, I have so much opportunity in that the physical, tangible world that right. dedicating focus to it. Like, I have so much more to grab in the physical world. So, again, back to your last, you know, point uh, in the last segment about, you know, there is no one way to win an automotive. But it's exciting to see uh, one of our very own being the first in the pool. And Nathan uh, comments and says, so when are we going to be able to test drive in the metaverse? You already can. It's called need for speed. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. It'll it's feel need for just speed like or grand, grand, Turismo, grand theft auto grand right theft auto. i mean yeah <laughs> you can test drive that semi through a public park it'll be awesome uh speaking That's of right. the metaverse and sandbox segway time so hsbc do you, kyle do you know what hsbc stands for uh i do not but i know it has to do with banking Hong Kong, Correct. Shanghai, Bank of China. There it is. Did you know that? Now I know. I didn't know. <laughs> I, I, I learned I didn't that years ago and I did. never forgot. I just know it had to do with banking. It's Hong Kong, there Shanghai, Bank of China. So uh, HSBC just bought a plot of land. They've entered the sandbox. And if you're not familiar, the sandbox is kind of a metaverse um, world, right? And people are buying real estate. Brands are buying real estate. Celebrities are buying real estate in this world. And then they're setting up shop right? Setting up yep. sports venues, setting up retail shops where people can buy stuff. So HSBC is the most recent one to jump in. In a partnership with Sandbox, they bought a plot of land, um, you know, and they say their, their banking or financial transactions there are going to be based on uh, sports, esports, and gaming. So obviously they all make sense, right? Probably going to be yep. trading in, uh, and it, it, the currency in Sandbox is a cryptocurrency token called SAND, S-A-N-D. And on the news of HSBC entering, uh, jumped 11%. I didn't realize this, but JP Morgan is also already there 
right? So this is just kind of the latest wow. en entering. JP Moore is already there and in kind of the OG metaverse world called Decentraland. And, um, yep. you know, JP Morgan executive says in this, uh, I think is I don't remember, a Forbes article. It's linked up in the notes. Um, they expect, HSBC is saying actually that they expect the metaverse, um, you know, market size to be $8 trillion, with a T, $8 trillion in China The size alone. of the market cap. In China wow. <laughs> So here's what's interesting to me. Two things. One is that um, I do think that there's a unique opportunity in the sports genre because esports and gaming has been so popular and it already has that like metaverse. No friction. Feel, right. No friction. Right? It's just it, it's going to be the first and easiest thing to transition into a more realistic metaverse type type version of stuff. I mean, you even think back, think back to uh, like the nineties when everyone was kind of doing, you know, the, like all the movies were saying like, this is what it's going to be like. And they had holograms and stuff. It was all around boxing or sports or yeah, right. that. That's, that that's already tuned up in our brain. So I think that's my first comment. The second comment, and everyone keeps saying this, they, you know, they're buying real estate or they're buying plots in these lands. And I'm wondering if places like Decentraland or Sandbox are going to start limiting the available real estate, right? Because it's already in the limited. world, there's a I think it's already limited. Okay, because in the world, there's a limited amount of real yeah. estate, right? And yeah, so, that's what drives value. You know, you can't, you can't just build on the world until you go to Mars, right? And that's no. what drives value up in certain areas and in certain, you know, like pockets on this is closer to this or that's, this is closer that's to here, it. right? That's the truth, yeah, though. So. I mean, it, it does, it, it rings true in the metaverse, like location is still the primary value proposition of any piece of land because like say there's a, a sports complex right a gaming you have to go there to go in to participate in the event so if there's a nike store yes. in the corner right you're just already in that proximity even though you could fly to the nike store or wherever that is however that works um proximity still matters um let's talk yep. a little auto for a second so um toyota you know just a month or two ago they were like we're gonna have the biggest product you know the biggest inventory drop in the history of in the history of the company and they just announced uh wait 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 everyone's ready for the biggest surprise it's not gonna happen they cut their production schedule by about 150,000 vehicles to be more realistic with expectations um it was interesting in the article we linked up um it says that the the big one of the big reasons for it you know, well, this is the leading reason. The leading reason, it says, because of the health and safety of our workers. So they said, you know, the production uh, shortage led by like a big push to get as many out uh, parts coming in at weird times. They really said it's stressing out the workforce. Right. And it's leading to conditions that are that are maybe putting quality in jeopardy. And if you know Toyota, Lexus, right, best in quality, very typically, right, a high um, yep. You know, initial quality, they're always up there at the top of the ranking. So they put that as the second. I'm like, man, that can't be the only. And then as you keep reading down the articles, like and supply shortage and chip shortage and 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 um, someone from PR wrote that article for sure. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> Without a doubt. So but but either way, um, it's just another indication. You know what we talked about yesterday about the Honda make meetings and them talking about, hey, we're probably not going to be back to normal till 2024. Uh, this is just another indicator of that, you know, from Toyota. Yep. And, um, you know, this is kind of news where it is news, but it's not news anymore. 
right? Yeah, this is just what what dealers have come to expect, and I think there's a there's a hopeful anticipation, but also a resilience to deal with this type of stuff and understand like, hey, we can we can continue to do business under these conditions, and whether we have inventory or not, we we've learned how to communicate that stuff to to our customers. I think there are some dealers that are getting really really ahead of that communication, yeah, both online in advertising, and then once customers engage with them. So I I would I would argue that if you haven't put a plan in place on how to communicate that written it down create created you know the the guidelines for the dealership on what that looks like write it down make it plain communicate it over communicate it to your employees because don't ever expect that someone knows how to communicate that especially as they're start because everybody's hearing this stuff right they're on their for they're sure. on their phone they're listening to this stuff and if you don't create the expectation on how to communicate that they're going to communicate it from their lens right so without a doubt that has to be fed down from leadership without a doubt this question came in uh, are all these shortages are unrelated to ukraine conflict right yeah uh <laughs> It's hard to tell what is and what Question isn't, mark. but without a doubt, without a doubt, it's putting pressure on uh, just about everything. Uh, we got one more. I know we're running a little long. Um, everybody knows the Fed raised the rates quarter point yesterday. If you didn't, you know now, um, you know, stocks went up on the news and then they retreated a little bit. But the last thing I think it's important for us to talk about is this Wall Street Journal article that talks about, um, are we reaching the limits of consumer uh, willingness to spend money or pay more money? Yep. In inflation, like, are we about to hit hit the ceiling of that? And uh, some indicators are saying yes. Macy's was the lead in the article saying they tried to raise some prices on some mattresses. And there was, they, they called it, I think, a revolt, uh, a customer revolt. Wow. Um, uh, clothing brand Bella Doll uh, raised the prices on their T-shirts and sales fell pretty sharply. And they said, you pretty know, if, if we kept the prices there, so they rolled the pricing back and they said, if we kept the pricing there, we would have sold half as much. And as you read through the article, it's a great article that goes through a number of things that retailers are trying to do. Uh, some brands are are starting to skimp on the quality, right? Using thinner leather, thinner cotton, right? On, on materials and bindings, they're starting to cut back a little bit, while some brands are actually adding premium material to justify the higher justify pricing. The price. Interesting. Yeah. And so- No, I think, I think that that's a big deal. And so not just- Thinking about your pricing, whatever whatever your business you're in, especially if you're in the automotive industry, thinking about your pricing on new cars, used cars, but also thinking about the value that you're adding to that pricing. Because I I don't think as Jonathan Smoke and Steve Greenfield and some of the leading economists in the industry have said, I don't think that demand has gone away or the capacity to purchase has gone away. There's still a ton of money in savings accounts. There's a lot of money coming in from tax rebates. So it's not like the money isn't there to purchase. It's the consumer perception of the pricing that's driving down whether or not they're going to hold on purchase or move forward. So your perception is based on the value that you provide. So just thinking about that is, I think, really key is those those people that have let in with a, a different material or adding more value to their already their, their current pricing structure is is a way to push consumer demand into purchase now instead of later. You know, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because I think people are used to dipping into savings or using a tax yep. rebate on a vehicle, right? It's they a big are. purchase, right? You, you should have to, to, to take a little extra or a lot extra in some cases. But, you know, in the article, they're talking about uh, basic basic items like clothing. Like one, one woman said, you right. know, hey, I went out because it's like refresh wardrobe time. And this is like the first spring oh, where spring. everyone's yeah, going yeah. back. To, it's not just spring, but it's the first spring where everyone's like really going back to life. You know, yep. so it's like I've been sitting on this stuff for two years, maybe three years, and now it's time to refresh. And one woman in there is like, hey, I went out to buy like 
four pairs of pants and I actually only ended up buying one. I, you know, because, because ah. of these things. And, and so retail pricing is actually up almost 18% retail sales. So it's like, oh, we're doing great. It's like, actually not because the mo- the majority of that is just because prices are higher. It's not because wow. there are more products being sold. So, you know, thinking about, and this is a question maybe we can talk about tomorrow because we're out of time, but I was talking with Darren Doan on the phone and we were just talking about the fact that inflation is super high, gas prices are super high, but until really, up, even up to this point, it's like everybody seems just fine. Company, right. Companies seem just fine. Everybody's making a lot of money. People don't seem to be panicked. And Darren says to me, he's like, you got to ask the question, like, Who's losing in this? Somebody's right. got to be losing. And my thought that I'll submit here is that I think we're all losing because the value of our actual money is going away. And when you pump mm. so much money into the economy to stimulate it, there's like a lot of cash around. But I think there's a carpet to be pulled because it's so weird that prices are super high and companies are super profitable. And and everybody's like... and every. Mm-hmm. After what we just went through, everybody's fine. It just doesn't add up. <laughs> Woo, what a way to leave people uh, on a Thursday, man. You're just going to leave them hanging like that. That's brutal. Well, that's what we're trying to try to make you think. Let us know what you think. Uh, sign up for the email at sodu.com and hit the reply button when it comes in. Let us know. We love the comments. We'll talk to you next week or tomorrow. Tomorrow.